I don't know if you know much about the World War, uh, especially the Second World War, but there was a time at the start of the World War which was called the Phony War. If you've heard of that, the Phony War. And it refers to the period between um, September 1939 and April 1940. So the war had begun. Hitler had started his advance on Western Europe. But the problem was there was little fighting going on. Britain didn't think there was a war. As they looked on, they didn't think that there was a war. Because it didn't feel like it. Yes, there might have been some battle that had happened far away, but actually, in their lives, it didn't have much of an impact. So, for uh, those times and those months, it was called the phony war. It didn't feel real, because it didn't impact them. Good to see you, Terry. See you next time. Yeah, see you at 4.30. Yeah. He's got his jab. That's what he's... Just in case you were worried. Yeah. So, just in case you are distracted there... <laughs> The phony war. It felt... Hang on, Terry's stuck now. Well, oh, there's no way out. It was amazing, Terry. Go on. We'll give you a, a clap down the tunnel now. Look, there we go. Ta-da, Terry. So the phony war. It didn't feel real even though it was. And I'm sure you can see where I'm getting at with the passage that we read earlier. This passage wants to remind us, if you're a Christian, there is... A battle that you're in you're in a fight you're in a war but the enemy the devil wants us to think we're not he wants us to think it's a time of peace it's a time to put our feet up and relax you don't need to be alert you don't need to worry about that but if you're a Christian there is a battle going on and we're going to look at that over these next two weeks this spiritual warfare what does it look like in our daily lives but this week, we're going to look at verses 10 to 13, kind of an introduction to it. Before we look at the armour of God from verses um, 13 down, we're going to think about what it, the background really to that. Why we need the spiritual armour? And there's four headings that we'll work through just to show you where we're going. We're going to see that the battle is real. Secondly, we're going to see that the enemy is real. Thirdly, we'll look at his, the tactics are real. His tactics are real. But we'll finish, in, finish by looking at our hope is real. Okay, let's start then with this. The battle is real. Look at verses 10 to 12 with me. Finally, he's coming to the end now, Paul saying, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is a battle going on, and it's a war that we can't see. The Bible talks about a realm that is real, but that we can't see. And the problem is we can forget it because we can't see it, because often we don't feel it, we kind of think it's, a, it's not going on. And so we are lulled into thinking it's a time of peace. Can you think of the difference there is between a wartime mentality and a peacetime mentality? Think for a moment, imagine that you're in World War I and you're in the trenches. And in the trenches, one of your um, group there, one of your people in the army with you says, I'm going to go for a walk. And so they step 
over um, into no man's land from the trenches into no man's land you know the area where the enemy could see them and they just walk along there like they haven't got a care in the world what would you think well, that's madness you can't just go for a wander on no man's land you can't just walk there this is a war this is a battle see if you're in a time of war in a time of battle your uh, alert levels are high aren't they you're going to hear every break of a branch you're going to hear any rustle of leaves because this is a war the enemy is real now we're going to look at the armor next week but this isn't the only place where the bible talks about armors and battles and being a christian being a bit of a, a, a being a fight listen to this from romans 13 but listen to the theme in romans 13 and i'll read from 1 thessalonians 5 there's a theme that comes up besides this you know the time the hour has come to you to wake up from sleep for salvation is near to us now than when we first believed the night is far gone the day is at hand cast off the works of darkness put on the armor of light so in romans paul's saying wake up don't be at, don't be slumbering don't be sleeping wake up 1 thessalonians 5 he talks about the armor here as well and listen to how he says it so then let us not sleep as others do but let us keep awake and be sober for those who sleep sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night but since we belong to the day let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of the hope of salvation can you see there again stop being sleepy wake up you're in a battle as we'll see one of the enemy's tactics is just to lull us to sleep but we need to be alert we need to be awake the battle is real now this morning if you're a christian have you forgotten that have you kind of lulled into thinking that we're in a neutral world where if i don't do anything then i'll be fine if i don't fight or battle it then i'll be fine but the reality is it's like going against it's going against the green uh, you know those flat escalators they have in airports yeah the ones that are supposed to help you walk faster so if you're walking along, along along them it feels very lazy going on them doesn't it you think well if i need help to walk um just here faster then but you need to get to you know it's a long terminal that's where people go but you know what it's like if you go down one of them you're walking fast but if you try walking in the opposite direction it's hard work isn't it and if you stand still you go backwards the christian life is a battle it's a fight and if we don't keep pushing forward we're going to end up going backwards the battle is real that's the first thing that this passage is showing us secondly we need to realize this the enemy is real now maybe you're sitting there thinking come on it's the 21st century and you're talking about the devil surely we're past that aren't we but very interestingly if you look at all the other cultures in the world probably about two-thirds of the world have no problem believing this kind of teaching no problem believing in the devil or evil spirits and so maybe you can look down on them and say oh how primitive or maybe we could learn from their wisdom instead of thinking we've got it all sorted thinking actually maybe there's something here we need to learn see the bible is telling us that there are evil spirits that there are evil there is an evil being satan and it's quite unusual in the, us in the west for us not to naturally think of that we want to think well if i can't see it then i can't believe it you know i can't believe in that because well it doesn't i can't see it it doesn't affect me it's fine but the bible here is telling us and showing us today 
Unless we understand this, we're not going to understand the world around us, and we're not going to understand ourselves. We're not going to understand the problems that we see unless we realise there is a real enemy. So if you're here this morning and you believe in God, it's not such a big stretch, is it, to say that Satan is real as well. And as you look at the world around, I wonder if there are times, and I know there have been times, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had this. You hear something on the news, and you just think, that is evil. That is dark. How do you explain it? Is it just for the things we can see? See, the darkness of some situations only makes sense if there is an evil um, realm, a realm of, and there is an evil um, uh, Satan, an enemy there, who is real. What's your explanation for the evil? And sometimes there might be things in your heart and you think, wow, where does that come from? That is evil. Now, the Bible teaches us um, that the devil doesn't make us evil, but he makes fallen people, who we all are, worse. He can tempt. He can draw us away. And there are some things, as I said, so dark and so evil that it just doesn't make sense unless there is an, uh, an evil one, unless a, a Satan is real. So who is this battle against? Look at verse 12. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. The devil and his schemes, that's who this battle is against. He is the enemy. Now, as we've read through Ephesians, and I know we've been going through it a long time, so we can forget what we've read very quickly. We've already heard about the devil in Ephesians. In Ephesians 2, listen to what it says. It says, you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So you're saying, look, before you're a Christian, you are at the mercy of Satan. You just follow whatever he says. We'll see in a moment that C.S. Lewis says in his um, introduction to the Screwtape Letters, which is kind of um, this um, chief devil writing to a younger devil on how to ruin Christians and spoil Christians. At the start of it, he says this, there are two unequal opposite errors that our race fall into. One is to disbelieve in Satan. The other is to have an un unhealthy, excessive interest in them. See, what's the two extremes? We're obsessed by Satan, we see him everywhere, or we totally ignore him. And if you're not a Christian today, the Bible says, look, you're at his mercy, you're just doing whatever he says. But if you're a Christian today, you need to know this. There is an enemy, he is real, and he hates you. He hates your faith, he hates this church, he hates your family, he hates your children, he hates the gospel, he hates Jesus, he hates the light, he loves the darkness, he loves evil, and he wants to drag you away from Jesus and stop you having anything to do with Jesus so that you can uh, just drift away. And he will do whatever it takes to keep you from Jesus. Whatever it takes. Paul Mallard, uh, has a, he was a pastor in England, he illustrates it a bit uh, like this. He says, imagine a man who commits a horrible crime. He's a murderer, and he murders this man, and, and there's a detective who finds out who the murderer is. And he finds him, gets the evidence, and tracks him down, gets him arrested, and gets him locked up for 20 years. And over those 20 years in prison, this man is seething. 
He wants to get that detective back. He's going to kill that detective because he's put him in prison. When he gets out 20 years later, he's still angry, bitter towards this policeman, this detective. And he gets out and he finds out the detective has died. So who does he go after? Who can he show and get his anger out against? Well, he can get to those who are precious to this detective, his family, his children, his friends. So you are precious to God. We've seen that in Ephesians, haven't we? You're a child of God. You're his. You are the apple of his eye. And so you are a prime target for the enemy. This is why being a Christian is so hard. You know, when, you're, when we went to, uh, if you're not a Christian here this morning, we have to say, look, come a Christian because it's the greatest news in the world. And it is. But it's not a walk in the park. People think that being a Christian is for weak people, for wimps. But actually, it's, it's a call to battle. It's a call to war. That is why, this is why it is so hard to read your Bible. It's just a book. Oh, yeah, I'll pick it up and read it this week. But how many times can we go week to week to week without spending any time with God? That's why it's a fight. That's why everything else seems so much more attractive. We've got an enemy who can just say, oh, here it is. Have a look at this. Oh, just be distracted by this. That's why it is so hard just to pray and spend time talking to our Heavenly Father. What is prayer? Do you remember the catechism we did last year? Or two years ago? Pouring out our heart to God. Tell him what's on your heart. Why is that so hard? Because the Satan hates to see a Christian on his knees. He hates it. And so... Well, so many distractions today for us, aren't there? And he's having a field day, drawing us away from God. Why is it so hard to get to church on a Sunday? Have you found that? One of the hardest days to get out of the house? Why is that? He hates that you're here. He doesn't want you hearing about Jesus. He doesn't want you hearing about the gospel. He doesn't want you encouraging other Christians. And remember, your presence, as we've seen earlier in Ephesians 4, your presence here isn't just for you. Your presence here is an encouragement for others. Why does he not want you to be here? Because your presence encourages other Christians. Because it'll do your soul and your heart good to have your face um, look, pointed towards Jesus again. Why is it so good uh, to come here? Because we see Jesus, we get more of him. That is why Satan doesn't want you to come. You are precious to God. And he, and he doesn't want you to be. He hates you. He doesn't want you to be here. And we have an enemy. That's why it's like an uphill battle. That's why being a Christian is not easy. And we need to be aware of this battle that the enemy is real and powerful. So look at verses, verse 12. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Did you hear those word, words? Um, rulers and authorities cosmic powers spiritual forces they're big words aren't they they're heavy words and that is to show us look this is serious this is real we can't ignore this we're going to see there's amazing hope in this battle in a moment but we need to see look we need to be real this this enemy satan paul's saying he's real and he doesn't like you and he hates you but remember, as well as giving, remembering he's got power, we need to not give him too much credit. Don't give the devil too much credit. Um, remember, Satan isn't God. It's not a like-for-like -like power. Satan isn't everywhere. He is not all-present. He is not all-powerful. 
He has other kind of fallen angels, the Bible tells us, that, that do his bidding, but he can't be everywhere. He's a creature. So don't give him too much credit. As I said, the C.S. Lewis sums it up well, doesn't he? We can either be obsessed and seeing him behind everything, or we can ignore him. Let's not be obsessed and think, oh, everything's because of Satan. No, no, no. He's limited. But he's real. So the two headings so far we've seen. The battle is real. The Christian life is a fight. It's a battle. The enemy is real. The third thing is this. His tactics are real. We need to be alert. We need to be awake, the Bible is saying here. We need to be aware there's an enemy. But notice what we're told, verse 11. Um, uh, stand, uh, put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So be alert because the devil has schemes. He has tactics. He has a strategy. He has a plan. So what are the devil's schemes? Now, it's a good question to ask, isn't it? What are the devil's schemes? What does it look like to be under the influence of the devil? Now, here's where we kind of think Hollywood. And we think spinning heads, you know, floating ghosts, those kind of things. But the reality is, following the ways of Satan look very mundane and very ordinary. Ephesians 2, as I said, he's already spoken about the devil once and he says this. Um, this is what you were. You were following the prince of the power of the air and of the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. What does it look like to follow Satan's ways? It looks very, very ordinary. It looks like carrying out the passions of the flesh. It looks like just doing what I want to do for me. As I said, Hollywood says head-spinning, scary, demonic in that sense. But here it's saying, you know, Satan's ways are just just thinking of ourselves and pleasing ourselves and not others. Remember how, uh, what we looked at this last week in our harvest service, how did Jesus, Jesus sum up the law? Love God and love others. What's Satan's law, as it were? Well, it's love yourself and put yourself first. That's it. And if we do that, we're following his path, we're following his ways. Think of how Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. What did he say? It looks good, doesn't it? Take it. It looks good to eat. Go on. You want it, so do it. Here's comfort. Here it is. Take it. Desires of the flesh. Just, just follow what you want. How does Satan tempt Jesus? Remember when um, Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to die. I'm going to the cross. And Peter says, no, you don't. You're not going to the cross. What does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Th Satan was using Peter at that moment to say, Jesus, don't go the way of the cross. Don't suffer. Just have comfort. Just relax. Chill out a bit, Jesus. Don't go to the cross. See, following the ways of Satan isn't some scary, demonic thing. It is following the passions of our flesh. Just full of comfort. Easing and lulled into this sleep of thinking that there isn't a battle. So our battle this week will happen every day. And it comes down to things like this. Will I serve myself or will I serve others? Will I listen and go and help that person in their need or will I just serve myself and my own comforts? Will I lay down my rights for others or will I do what I want? Will I follow the desires of my flesh and what my flesh asks for or will I follow God's ways and what he wants? That's the battle. 
That's why we're going to need the armour, as we're going to look at next week. It's very unremarkable. But read back through chapters 4 to 6, as we've been seeing. Remember chapters 1 to 3 of Ephesians? Look what God has done for you. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, now live like this. And what's the battle? Walk in light. Walk in love. That's the fight. And that's why it's so hard. Because there's an enemy who doesn't want you living like that. He doesn't want you following Jesus. So this is, the, de- the enemy is real. So we've seen that the battle is real. We've seen that the enemy is real. And he has real tactics. So what are his tactics? Well, the first one is, well, just live for yourself. <laughs> Don't think about other people. Don't think about God. Just live for what you want. But the other thing we need to realize this about the devil is this. The word devil means deceiver. He is a liar. And um, he wants to dis- deceive us. So in Revelation, it tells us this. That um, the the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. What are his tactics? He wants to tell you lies. He wants you to believe lies. He wants you to believe lies about God. God isn't good, he says. God isn't kind. God isn't loving. Don't trust him. God doesn't care about you. He only cares about himself. Think again to how... Um, we see what they see in the Garden of Eden. How did Satan um, get to Adam and Eve? Well, God said, everything's yours. Enjoy it. I've made this for you to enjoy. There's one tree. Trust me. Don't have it. Just, just trust me. What did Satan say? Did God really say that you can't eat from any fruit in the garden? See what he did? He twisted it to show the negative. No, God said, I can eat anything. But straight away, in their minds, there's a doubt of God's goodness. Oh, He's restricting me. Oh, he doesn't want what's best for me. Oh, I'm not going to follow his ways. Because Satan's a liar. And he wants you to think God isn't good. He wants to think God doesn't love you. He wants you to think all these things about God. Because he is a liar. That's why we need the Bible. That's why we need to come back there and say, what is true then? What is real? The Bible will help us. So there's lies about God. But there's also lies about this ourselves that Satan will um, tell us. Again, in Revelation 12, he's called there, not just the deceiver, but the accuser of the brethren. He wants you to think about your past. Remember, we have thought, and we already today, how Jesus died on the cross to forgive us all of our sin if we trust in him. All of it's gone. It's dealt with. Went to the grave with Jesus and left there. But he wants you to dwell on your failure. Satan wants you to think on your past and your guilt. Oh, you said that. Well, God can't possibly love you now. Oh, you did that. Well, don't speak to God today. He won't want to hear from you. Oh, you're the only person who's struggling with that. Don't talk to anybody else about that. No, 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 no. You don't need any help with that. Just, you can't. God can't possibly love you. You can't really be a Christian if that's what you've done, or that's what you've said, or that's how you feel. I wonder if any of that sounds familiar. Very unremarkable, isn't it? But that's the kind of thing he does. So it's undramatic, this battle. It happens in our daily lives where we're choosing either self or Jesus. Where we're choosing to listen to the goodness of God or the lies about God. He wants you to satisfy the desires of your flesh. Satan wants you to put you first and he wants you to believe lies about God and yourself. That's his tactics. There's loads of other tactics he uses as well. Where Puritan wrote um, many years ago, hundreds of years ago, he wrote uh, devices, uh, Satan, remedies against Satan's devices. And he lists, uh, I don't know, about 70, 80 
um, different ways. And it's a great book, really practical, on how little ways that um, he's picked out from the Bible that Satan uses. Satan has tactics. He's real. Now, here's a question to ask. He is um, described in 1 Peter as a, as a lion prowling around. A lion looks for the weak weaknesses, doesn't it, in the pack. Try to isolate us, scare us. Do you know your weaknesses in the Christian life? Do you know where you struggle? Do you know where you find hard? If you know them, if you know where you're vulnerable, then the enemy certainly does. And we need to be on high alert, especially there, don't we? Maybe pray this week, Lord, show me where these weaknesses are. Pray into them. Ask for others to pray for you in them. And, and see where, where you can have no God's help in that. See, the ta- his tactics are real. And we need to be on high alert, especially in those areas. He's like a roaring lion waiting to devour. Where are you weak? Where do you need to pray into? So the battle is real. The enemy is real. His tactics are real. And finally this, our hope is real. So in the light of this real battle with a real enemy, with real tactics, what do we do? Well, Next, this is kind of like a come back next week to find out moment, but it is because next week we'll look at the armour and how that helps us and what it, what it means. But look what we're told, first of all, before we look at the armour. Verse 10. Be strong in the Lord. Say, look, you're not on your own in this battle. There is an enemy, yes, but there's a God who is even more powerful. And he, uh, we're called to be strong in his strength, in his power, in the Lord's strength. And what strength is that? What strength has the Lord got? Well, again, Ephesians 1 tells us, he prays, Paul is praying there, that we would know the immeasurable greatness of the power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked when he raised Christ from the dead. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, he says, you have access to by the Spirit of God. You're not on your own. So there is this realm we can't see. Where there is real stuff going on to pull you away from Jesus. But there is a power greater than any other power. The power of Jesus Christ. And we need to stand, be strong in him. The same strength that raised Jesus from the dead. And then it says this in Ephesians 1. And Christ is now seated at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule, authority, power and dominion. And every name that is named only in this age but in the age to come so he said be strong in him where is he where is christ he is above every power and authority and glenn scrivener uh, points this out very helpfully he says this look notice what is really encouraging about this passage what are we told to do we're told like four times we hear the word stand now standing that's is not complicated is it standing we you know i know as you get older it does get harder but standing in, in, in is a simple instruction and we're told you look stand where are we to stand well we're to stand in the lord we're to stand in the lord and where is the lord where is jesus he has been raised and he is seated above every other power so as a believer if we're trusting in jesus we are in christ so everything that is true for him is true for us And Ephesians 2 says we are raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places. So this is the order. We are the kind of humans, we're here. Then there's this realm that we can't see, but it's real. And there's battles going on there that we can't see. And then above them is Christ. 
So where is the Christian? The Christian is in Christ, above all rule and authority, which means we're on the winning side, which means as we look at this real enemy and real battle and real tactics, we're in Christ who is the real victor. And he has won. He has defeated the enemy. And so we're to clothe ourselves in the same armour that defeated Satan. Now we'll look at that more next week, as I said. But just as a taster, look what it's saying. How can we have help in this battle this week? How can we have help to say no to self, yes to Jesus? How can I have battle to not listen to Satan's lies who tell me that I'm not loved, that God is not good? Well, one of the things we're told to put on is the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 14, the breastplate of righteousness. The righteousness of Christ, what does that mean? Remember, Jesus lived the life we could never live. He never did anything wrong, and we often fail. But a Christian is somebody who has been forgiven for all the wrong they've done, and now they wear the rightness of Jesus. So God the Father looks at you if you're a Christian this morning, and he loves you with the same love he has for the, his son. You are covered in his righteousness. So Satan will throw a dart, and he'll say, God doesn't love you anymore, because look what you've done. And we put on the breastplate of righteousness as it were and says, hang on a minute, my sin has been dealt with and paid for by Jesus on the cross. I'm covered in his righteousness. Thank you very much, Satan. I don't need to listen to that lie. The breastplate of righteousness. You're not condemned anymore. Satan will want to condemn us and make us feel guilty and drag us down. And Jesus, we put on his righteousness as it were. We're saved and, we're lo saved and loved in him. We don't need to listen to the devil's lies. That's one way. Or look what else we're told. We're told about the, the helmet of salvation. You need to know that you are saved, that you're trusting in Jesus and not in yourself, which means he is safe in heaven and one day we'll be, go to be with him as well. Not because of any religious works of ourselves, but because Jesus has done it all. So again, we remember the amazing truth of all we have in Jesus. We put that on our heads, as it were, and we think on this, I need to understand I am saved, I am safe, I am with him. You are loved. So really, we're putting on the, the message of the gospel. Can you see that? Come back next week for more of what that looks like and how practical that is. But we're putting on the armour of God. In this battle, we're called to stand. Where are we? We're with Jesus, above every other power. So when we feel intimidated, maybe, maybe this morning you think, oh, I can't, how can I fight in this spiritual battle? Think you're with Jesus got you. And we're in him. He has defeated Satan. Satan is a defeated foe and he knows it. That's why he's trying to create as much damage as he can until he's, he's got rid of when Jesus returns. But in Christ, we have great power. In Christ, we have the victory. In Christ, we have all the armor we need. Now, I know these things are strange to hear in the 21st century. I know these things are um, sometimes just hard to grasp. But that's why we go through books in the Bible, so we don't skip over tricky passages like this. We've been going through Ephesians since January. This, is, this has been coming to deal with this. But don't you see that understanding an enemy makes sense of the evil all around us? There is evil around us that, that is so dark. Now, just as we close now, when someone puts their trust in Jesus, do you know what happens in that moment? Satan has to give up control because Jesus is more powerful. Ephesians 2 tells us we're under the grip of Satan, naturally, but when somebody puts their trust in Jesus, Satan can't hold. Maybe this morning, you don't realise what it is, but Satan's got you in his grip. Do you know what you need to do today? Just turn to Jesus. Say, Jesus set me free. Jesus help me. 
and Satan has no hold. He has to relinquish power because Jesus is more powerful. So maybe today, for the first time, you need to say, I don't understand all of this, but I know I need Jesus. I know there are dark things in my heart that I can't explain. I need Jesus. I know there are dark things in this world that I can't explain. And I need somebody who is bigger than it all, who can help me through. Turn to him today. He won't turn you away. And know that you can be loved and assured of his love today. Let's pray together before we sing our last song. Father, we know that the battle is real. We know that the enemy is real. And we know that his tactics are real. But we pray now, please, would you help us to see that our hope is real. We have a saviour who is far above every rule and authority. One who has defeated the enemy and one who is on our team. And so today, as we might feel intimidated often by this spiritual realm, the spiritual battles that surround us that we don't see, we pray please that you'd help us. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the risen one, the conquering one, and to, to remember that we're with him. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I will...